Podmoth. Located on the edges of your radio static, you've stumbled upon the lost signal. Tonight, we bring you a radio classic tale of horror, Archobler's I, Madman. But first, a couple of messages from some of our friends on the Podmoth Media Network. The Identity Podcast is your bi-weekly foray into the weird, wonky, and sometimes spooky. Join host Janine Mercer as she leads you down the twisted pathways of history and tackles tales of the paranormal, weird historical people and practices, and so much more. The Identity Podcast, a proud member of the Podmoth Media Network, can be found on Twitter and Instagram at IdentityPod and is available wherever you binge your podcasts. Hello friends, I'm Taya. And I'm Sammy. And we're the hosts of the Offbeat Worm Podcast. Come check us out, we talk about so many things. Spooky things, silly things, and everything in between. Find our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. And we'll catch you on the Offbeat. See you soon. Don't stare at me like that. Please, don't. Don't stare at me like that. I'm just like you. Yeah. Just like you. The cancer in the mind. It doesn't change us. Not at all. We live. We see. We understand. I want to tell you how it started. Where it started. It was at my club. Oh, <laughs> a perfectly harmless place. I always thought it was boring. Old men sitting around a fire, talking of little nothings. We younger members belonged just for the prestige. I rarely went there. Until that night. There were three of us sitting before a dying fire. Mr. Quimmer. Old Harford and I. Old Harford, the oldest member of the club, the richest. Because he had the most money, he was supposed to know the most. And when we talked, everyone listened as if it were the high priest himself speaking. That night he had been doing very little talking. I'd been doing most of it. I remember when I got through spouting, he looked at me through those gimlet eyes of his and said, I must say, you're a fool, John McTeague. A fool? 
I? Any man who talks the way you just did is a fool. No mistake. Eh, Quimmer? Ha <laughs> ha Right, Mr. Harford, right! And perhaps you agreeing gentlemen will tell me why I'm elected to the dunce's chair? Certainly I'll tell you. Any man who hopes to look into the future is a fool, and no mistake. The present is ours, the future is God's. But think, men. Think of what knowing the future would mean to a man. Why, he'd be a king on earth. Know everything. The future trends of politics, world history, the rise and fall of money markets. <laughs> he'd be more than a king. He'd be a god on earth. A fool on earth. An unhappy fool. Knowing what the stock markets and, and the racetracks of the world would do, this man could make a fortune just like that. And if he could see ahead far enough, he could foresee his own death and prevent it. Uh, what's he raving about? Yes. I tell you, the man who looked into the future could delay his own death. Few of us die naturally in our own beds. If I could look into the future and see, for example, that I was going to die in an automobile accident, say, ten years ahead, I'd stay out of autos ten years from now and cheat death. <laughs> cheat it! You hear that, you two? Cheat death. Live my full span of years fully, completely, and gloriously. And I tell you that if you knew the future, it would be tragic. It would be a horror beyond your comprehension. I say that if I knew the future even a few days ahead, I'd hold the world in my hand. I'd have a power that no mortal man ever had before. I repeat, it would be a horror beyond your comprehension. Horror. Horror. What are you talking about, horror? You would not understand. Alright, then let it be horrible. I tell you I'd give my soul to be able to look into tomorrow. That's what I said to him. Mr. Quimmer and Old Harford, I said I'd give my soul to look into tomorrow. And you know, I think that somehow, somewhere, the power heard. <laughs> the power heard. I came out of the club a few minutes later, leaving Quimmer and Harford that day. I remember the sun was fiercely hot. The doorman said, Right day, Mr. McTeague! I nodded my head. I kept walking up the street. In my mind, the things I'd been talking about to those old men kept turning and twisting. My car was parked up around the corner. I kept walking. I turned the corner and then... How can I explain it? I had a feeling that things weren't what they'd always been. Like when you come home at night, and you come into the living room and the furniture's been changed around while you've been gone. You don't quite know for sure that it has, but there's an uneasiness in you. Something's different. That's the way it was with me when I turned into that street. Same old street. I'd been there many times, and yet somehow it was quite different. The first thing was my car. It wasn't there on the curb where I'd left it, but that was only part of it. The storefronts, some of them different. I stood there blinking in the sunlight trying to figure it out. Peculiar changes all around, little things. 
The same old street, and yet it wasn't quite the same. People walking, cars passing, and... In me, that strange, vague feeling that this... This was somehow different. Not the same street I had walked on, but a few short hours before. The newsboy was calling out his papers on the corner. I walked up to him. He said, Paper, mister! You need a paper? Listen. Tell me, is this... Is this North Market Street? Sure! Can't you read the signs? Paper! Get your paper! Read all about it! Get your paper! Wait! Huh? Let me have a paper. Quickly! Sure! Gee, thanks. Paper! Get your paper! Paper, mister! You need a paper? Paper! Newsboy! Come back here! Come back! What's the matter? What? This newspaper. It's the latest edition, mister, so help me. Look at it. What's the matter with you? Look at it! The date! Look at the date! Mister, you nuts! It's today's paper! See? April 30th! But the year! Look at the year! 1938! Say, it's alright! 1938! But that's wrong! It's April 30th, 1937! Mister, you're screwy! Don't you even know it's 1938? Nineteen thirty-eight. It had happened. The thing I had talked about in the club to those old men had happened. Really happened. Somehow, I had stepped into the world of the future. The world as it would be one year ahead. No. <laughs> it couldn't be true, I told myself. It couldn't! How could I turn a corner and Move ahead 365 days. And yet the newspaper. I had to know. I hurried down the street. I saw a policeman. I went up to him. I said, Officer! Officer! Yes, sir? Officer, the date. Tell me the date. Sure. Is that anything to get excited about? It's, oh, let me see. April 30th. Yeah, that's right. Last day of the month. Yes, I know. I, I know. But the year. Please tell me the year. <laughs> Come now. It's pretty early in the day to be getting liquored. Fool, I'm serious. This year. What year is it? Uh, get on out of here. You better get home. I'd say if a man don't know the year, he'd better be off the street and no mistake. Officer. Along with you. It's 1938 if that'll cool you down. Get out of here! 1938. It was true. 
I'd moved ahead one year in life. One solid year. That look into the future that I'd wanted was mine. And then suddenly, in my ears, no, in my head, I seemed to hear the voice of old Harford saying, It would be horror beyond your comprehension. For a moment I stood there, frightened. And then the fright was gone, and in its place came a thrilling sense of power I had never known. This was my opportunity. A chance a man had never had in all the history of the world. To step into the future. To know what was going to happen before anyone else in the world knew of it. All the things I said to Harford could come true. A power in my hands that no one else had ever known. Knowing a year ahead of time the future trends of the stock market, the racetracks, a king, a king on earth. There was no doubt in my mind that I'd go back, you understand, that, that I'd go back and be able to profit by what I'd learned in this world a year in the future. I remember I threw open the pages of the newspaper. And then I shouted aloud until the people turned and stared at me. There it was, in black and white. The horse races of a year away. The stock markets of a year away. All I had to do was save this paper so that when this miracle was over and I was back in 1937 again, I'd be able to use the knowledge to make a fortune. And then a thought struck me. I didn't know how soon this miracle would be over. And I'd be back again in 1937. Better act fast, John McTeague, I told myself. Get all the information you can on the winners in the horse races in the next year. The winners in the stock markets. I had to get my hands on the newspapers. All the newspapers. For the year that didn't even exist yet. And then another thought occurred to me. Old Harford. He said it couldn't be done. <laughs> I'd phone him. That's what I'd do. I'd phone him and tell him of this miracle. That I'd been shoved ahead a year of my life. Was walking in the year 1938 all in a minute. I turned into a drugstore. Hurried into a phone booth. Mr. Harford's residence. Hello. Is Mr. Harford in? Senior? Certainly Mr. Harford, Senior. Is he in? I, I'm very sorry, sir. What are you sorry about? Mr. Harford, Senior, he... He passed away some time ago. What are you talking about? He's not dead. Yes, sir. Dead. But... But I saw him only, I mean... When did it happen? Six months ago. Oh. And might I ask who is calling, sir? An old friend. You know me, Jenkins. It's John McTeague. John McTeague? Yeah, John McTeague. You remember me, don't you, Jenkins? John McTeague, who... <gasps> Jenkins! Jenkins, you hung up on me! 
Why'd he do that? Why would he cry out and hang up on me? Why? Couldn't figure that out. Why should the man scream and hang up when I told him my name was John McTeague? But I said to myself, no matter. I have so much to do before the time came to be back. As I knew that time would come. So old Harford would die inside the coming year, would he? I remember I chuckled to myself at the thought. He hadn't known that he would be dead when he'd said... It would be horror beyond your comprehension. <laughs> yeah, I laughed. A horror beyond your comprehension, old Harford. You die within the year. Yeah, that's what I said as I stood there in the phone booth, wondering why the old butler had screamed at me. But no matter, I told myself. Knowing that old Harford would die within the coming year was interesting, but unimportant against the work I had to do. The newspapers, in them stock market, and the horse races. I had to know what the market had done in the year, what horses had won. With that information safely written down, let the power that had sent me into the future take me back in time again. I wouldn't care. When I got back, I'd be the richest man in the world inside of a week. I hurried down to the newspaper offices. I went into their files. There, with the newspapers of the past year stacked before me, I knew a thrill no man had ever known before. There, there was the printed record of 365 days that hadn't yet been lived in time, and the knowledge I was going to get out of them would give me the world when I got back into the year 1937. And somehow, I knew I would get back. I began to turn the pages one by one. I didn't write anything down at first. I wanted to enjoy myself reading what was going to be. And then, it caught my eye. The headline. The paper of the day before. April the 29th, 1938. There it was, staring, glaring at me. Letters of black streaking across the paper. Words unbelievable. My eyes saw them and my ears sang with them. Slayer of aged banker dies tomorrow. High court refuses appeal of condemned man. John McTeague doomed to electric chair. It was I. I was doomed to the electric chair. A murderer! Hello everyone, this is Brandon, the host of the Parunity Podcast, wanting to take a second to tell you about our show. The Parunity Podcast is your top choice for closing the distance between the paranormal groups. From ghosts, to cryptids, to ufology, we will discuss it all. The Parunity Podcast is aimed at promoting positivity and collaboration between investigators, and is geared specifically for those in the field. But if you're not, 
you'll still get a kick out of the show as well, because you'll be able to think of it like Ghost Hunters Talking Shop. Tune in and join myself and all of our amazing guests as we entertain you with sensational stories of fantastic places, events, tips for your investigations, and so much more. And remember, you can find the Parunity Podcast on your favorite podcast directory and part of the Paranormality Radio Network. murderer. I was a condemned murderer. That's what it said. Condemned to die that night. But whom had I killed? When? Where? I read on quickly, my eyes soaking up the words. Whom had I... Whom had I killed? Whom? And then I saw the words that I couldn't believe. The man those newspapers said I'd murdered was Harford. I turned the newspaper pages back, back through the days to find out what had happened. Days I hadn't even lived, moving back page after page into a time I'd never known. John McTeague convicted of banker murder, page after page. John McTeague, case one, goes to jury. Trying to find out. Harford murder case on trial. Why did they say I had done it? I kept turning the pages back and back. Grand jury indicts John McTeague for banker murder. Turning the pages going back into time to find out all about it. John McTeague held without bail for Harford murder. Community shocked by murder of eighth banker. When and where and why had I done it? That's what I wanted to know. Aged banker murdered in downtown club. So that was where. I had murdered him in our club. But when? I looked at the date on the paper. And there it was. I had killed old Harford. In October, on the 30th, 1937. So that was my destiny. In six months, I would murder old Harford. Why? I did not know. And in six more months, my fate would be the electric chair. John McTeague keeps silence on motives behind brutal murder and smart downtown club of aged banker. That's what the paper said. I gave no motives. But I had to know why my future was the murder of that old man. I had to know. And then suddenly, I realized how late it was getting. And the thought, the memory of that day's headline suddenly flared in my head. John McTeague dies in electric chair tonight. Tonight? And yet, my brain pounding within me, I thought to myself, how could that be? How could I die that night? How could I? Here I was, a free man, and yet the papers said, and the pictures were of me, 
that I was the one to die in the chair that night. But I hadn't killed Harford. And yet these papers, these papers of a world that was really a year in the future, were saying that I was to die for having killed him six months before. How could they kill me when I was of the past, when this day was a year ahead in my life? No, not me. They couldn't kill me. Not me! And then I got an idea. I would go to the execution. <laughs> go to my own execution. I wanted to see. I wanted to know. How could that be? Killing me in the electric chair when I, when I was here, a free man, a few hours before the paper said I was to be electrocuted. Yes, I would go to the electrocution. How I, how I got to the prison, I don't know. All I remember is that I was there, the crowds milling around outside the walls. I stood outside the walls of the jail with the others until, at last, I heard someone say. They're letting in the lucky ones. Then I understood. They were letting in the reporters and the witnesses to the execution. The police were holding back the ones that didn't have invitations. <laughs> invitations to my execution. But miraculously. How? When? I couldn't quite understand, but miraculously. I was inside with the others. Taking a chair in the row of chairs that faced the black arm chair they said was going to kill me. I listened to them talking. He had it coming to him. Yeah. Killing an old man. Kind of sick to my damn stomach. Take a couple of breaths. It won't be so bad. Do they really burn? Yeah. You see the smoke rise and curl? Me. They were talking about me. And yet I knew they were fools. Fools! How could I die in the electric chair when I was sitting there next to them? How could I? All at once, everyone around me stiffened in their chairs. I could hear their feet shuffling nervously on the concrete. And I heard an iron door clang. Footsteps coming closer. And then suddenly, they were there priest walking in front, two guards following behind, half carrying between them. Oh, I swear to you, it's the truth. They were half carrying me. Preserve me, O oh God, for in thee do I put my trust, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer. Thine holy one to see corruption. The priest mumbling prayers and me there. I tell you it was me. Between the guards. And I knew it was me. Not someone who just looked like me, but me. The man sitting next to me whispered. There goes John McTeague. They were putting me into the chair. Me sitting out there watching the me of a year later being strapped into the chair. It couldn't be. It couldn't be. A man couldn't have been two beings like that. Two existences strapped around arms. Helmet overhead. 
The warden's hand on the switch? No. I couldn't stand it any longer. I jumped to my feet, and I screamed, STOP! STOP! STOP IT! STOP IT! IT'S ME! IT'S ME! DON'T! DON'T PULL THAT SWITCH! DON'T THROW THAT SWITCH! THAT'S ME IN THAT CHAIR THERE! DON'T THROW THAT SWITCH! The world went black. I didn't know. I couldn't see. Couldn't hear. As if sitting there watching, I died with that other self there in the electric chair. And then suddenly someone was shaking me. Somebody was saying, You alright, sir? You alright? What? What? When? Where? Must have fainted, sir. Just after you left the club. Brought you in here. Are you alright? Young fool. Walking in the streets without a hat. Mr. Harford! Eh, what's the matter? You're not... You're not... I'm not what? Say, you're in bad shape, young man. Sunstroke, if I miss my guess. You better get home and to bed. No mistake. And then suddenly I knew I was back. Back in time of year. Back to reality. Back to my club. Old Harford, not dead. Not murdered by me. Bending over me, a sneer on his lips at my weakness. And suddenly. So strangely. Suddenly I hated the man. Hated him. A mad, unreasoning thing. And yet there it was. Hatred. They took me home. Talking all the time of my sunstroke, but... When I was alone, I reached into my pocket, and there... Just the way I thought it would be... Was that newspaper I had bought from that newsboy on the street. I spread it out on the table. Yes. It had all really happened. There was the dateline, April 30th, 1938. This was the proof that what had happened had happened. A newspaper of the world a year in the future. I suddenly jumped to my feet. This newspaper, the horse races. Here I had the opportunity I'd dreamed of. All I had to do was wait a year, and then play the horses that would win those races a year away. I could make a fortune, and all I had to do was wait a year. And then I remembered something else that man dying in the electric chair. The murder which the newspaper said I'd do within six months. What could I do? What could I do to escape that horrible destiny? And then I laughed. <laughs> Me? Kill old Harford? No. Of course not. Now that I knew my destiny, I could escape it. I would never kill that harmless old man. Not me. Yeah. <laughs> I told myself, this mad adventure I'd had would mean my fortune, not my ruin. On that day a year ahead, I'd be a millionaire, not a prisoner in a death cell. Kill old Harford? Not me. <laughs> not me. 
and oh how I hated the slowness of the days that came. One by one they passed, bringing me closer and closer to my fortune, but... But there was something else in the days beside their slowness that annoyed me. And that was Harford. I would go to the club. He would look up at me from his deep easy chair and say, <laughs> Well, young man, have you looked into that future of yours? Every day. Every damn day. When I came into the club, he would say that. Oh, how I began to loathe that man. Aged. Skin yellow, thick veins crawling under the yellow parchment of it, a faint odor of decay about him, as if the grave was closing around him as he sat there in that easy chair, waiting for death to tap him on the shoulder. I would sit down in that same room in another chair where I could keep an eye on him, and I would think of that scene in the future, that man, me, stumbling between the guards, the whine of the electric chair. And all because of him. Such horror he would have given me if I hadn't been given that power to look ahead. Such a horrible end. Death in the chair. Why didn't he die? I'd ask myself. Why didn't he die and go to the grave? The days crept on. Closer. I had it all planned. I'd spread my bets all over the country, a thousand here, a thousand there, keep the odds up. Stop suspicion before it started. The months passed, one, two, three, four, five. Closer and closer came my fortune. And that old man sitting there in my club kept sneering. Well, McTeague, look into the future yet? <laughs> Months after it all began, I awoke with a strange feeling of uneasiness crawling within me, like a long green snake. I dressed quickly. I wanted to get out of the house, and I decided to have breakfast at the club. I remember I picked up that blessed newspaper of the future just before I left the house and thought to myself that soon, soon it would bring me all I'd been waiting for. I came into the club. It was so early. Few were there. I went into a side room and sat down. I thought I was alone. Suddenly, from the depths of a chair turned away from me, I heard, <laughs> Well, if it isn't the rash young Mr. McTeague himself. Mr. Harford, you're here. Yes, and I think I'll be here long after you young whippersnappers are gone. Now tell me. Still in hopes of stepping into the future and making a killing? Eh? The moment he said that, I felt myself getting up out of the chair. Slowly. <laughs> and yet so tensely. I didn't want to get up. And yet I did. I began walking toward him. Slowly. So slowly. Young man, what's the matter? I didn't want to walk toward him that way. And yet I couldn't help myself. I had to. Young man? What's the matter? He kept backing away from me. Fright came into his old face. Fear glistened in his eyes. Stop, stop looking at me like that. Stop it! Stop it! 
Then the wall was at his back, and he could cringe away no further. Stop, McTeague! Have you gone insane? Why are you looking at me like that? What do you want of me? Help me! Somebody! Somebody help me! Help me! My hands were claws, and they shot out, and they closed on his scrawny neck. Choking him. Choking him. I wanted to stop, but I couldn't. I swear to you, I couldn't. My hands kept choking. And he was dead. Dead. Old Harford dead. And suddenly, <laughs> suddenly I remembered the day and the month. It was October 30th. The very same date those newspapers I had read six months before had said I'd killed him. My destiny had caught up with me. So that's my story. No one believes it. Why should you? And yet it's the truth. I swear to you, it's the truth. I looked into the future. But it did me no good. A man's destiny is his destiny. Returning now to the edges of your radio static, this has been The Lost Signal. Follow us on Twitter at The Lost Signal 1 and Instagram at The Lost Signal Podcast. Also, follow and rate us on iTunes. Thank you, and good night.